What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. And oh my gosh, did I just have an amazing conversation with my guest today. We are talking about what we wish we knew when we got started, some struggles that he's had, some things that went wrong in his business and how he turned it around, exactly how the conversation that he had with somebody at one of our events that changed everything for him. And from going to struggling to getting two deals in three hours in one day, absolutely amazing. You guys gotta listen to this one. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody. We are back with our second uh, episode of this kind of mini series of what I wish I had done differently, kind of like knowing what I know now for some of you that are just getting started and some of you that are successful, but may not have been down this kind of road before of... Um, of a struggle in certain areas. So I'm bringing on some different guests that are inside of our mastermind group that I know are, are working through something, have some success, they have a story to tell, things like that. And, um, you know, recently I've watched, um, so you've heard this guest on the show before, uh, he's been on with his daughter. And um, I've, I've watched the kind of ups and downs of folks in our runway program and our altitude program, both. And, and, and even in my life, watching the ups and downs and just knowing that, my goal for this series is to get all of you that are listening to know that this is not an easy business and it's not always roses and rainbows and butterflies and stuff like that. Like there is some, some times where we feel like we have to you know, reach down deep and, 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 and keep going. You heard that on the last podcast with Arthur. He wasn't going to quit. It was years of a struggle through a lawsuit and uh, um, a problem house and, thing, and a problem partnership. And uh, hopefully you learned something there and give you a little bit different angle on, uh, on today. So uh, today I've got Nate Eccles with me and I'm really excited to talk to him and hear his story and, um, and go through some of the ups and downs that he's had and a lot of success recently and just how, like, how did that happen and what did he do to get there? So uh, Nate, I'm just gonna let you take it away, man. I want to hear from you. Uh, we talked a little bit pre-show about what's going on. So maybe a quick background of of where you live and what you do, and then just jump into it, man. What's kind of advice right now um, would you give? What's going on with you? And, and what would you tell somebody who's getting going? Well, hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, my name is Nate Eccles. I'm in the Omaha, Nebraska market. Um, I run a uh, house flipping and uh, rental uh, company uh, with my daughter, uh, dad and daughter buyhouses.com. That's us. Um, so, 2020 was kind of a struggle. Um, and I, I was like Arthur, I, I was never, um, in a position where I was like, Oh, I want to quit what I'm doing. Um, this is definitely the dream. This is, this is what I'm committed to. Uh, but, uh, I'm not going to lie. Like there were some rough times. I, I got, uh, I had a couple of bad buys consecutively, which, if you're doing, you know, 50 or hundred houses a year, that's fine. But when you're doing, you know, less than 10 a year, um, if you get a couple of bad buys in a row, it can really, um, hurt your confidence for one and it can hurt your pocketbook for the other. Um, so I've, you know, kind of spent some time wallowing in my own sorrow and I, I, um, kind of, uh, 
shut down marketing and, and whatnot. And I, I got, I had one house that I, I've been referring to as the albatross within the group. And, uh, it really like, um, got me down so much. Uh, I talked about it in multiple hot seat sessions because I've owned it that long. Um, it's a house that, uh, I bought in September of 2019 and I am still working on. Um, and, uh, it uh, basically like, it really shot my confidence quite a bit. That's, that's, I guess that's the main thing. And so I wasn't getting past that. And then uh, I went to the event in Nashville a few weeks ago and uh, I was, uh, you know, talking to Terry and talking to other people and, and you know how you get re you get rejuvenated and not going to lie, seeing people in person versus doing the virtual stuff over the last year. I mean, I really got rejuvenated talking to people in person and, uh, it just kind of, it, it clicked for me, um, really, uh, especially during my hot seat session this time. And, uh, so now I've got a, a game plan in place to try and uh, get out of, get out of all this and, uh, move forward and make this year, you know, the best year yet. So. Okay. So before we, go, yeah, before we go further into that, there, you said you made some consecutive bad buys, um, lost confidence, uh, shut down marketing, kind of just said, okay, I'm going to uh, take, take care of this. You knew that you had a problem children houses at that time, right? And you said like wallowing in, in self-pity type stuff. But like, how did that happen? How did you have, how did, how did you buy wrong? Like, what did you do? And what advice would you give to some people when they are buying? Because it sounds like it, it hurt your confidence and you were actually afraid to buy the next one because you just didn't feel confident in like running your numbers and knowing that you would be successful. So how did that happen? Yeah. So, uh, I had, um, mm -hmm. one house where, um, I bought wrong on the front end. Well, I guess they're all because I bought wrong on the front end, but it was, uh, um, so the, the short version of the story is, um, and the advice to people is, don't get desperate when you don't have a deal in the pipeline. I, I had had a very successful year um, and it was house, house, house coming at a pretty uh, good rate. And I got to a point where I didn't have anything new in the pipeline. And so I got desperate and took something that wasn't as, as good of a deal as what I would normally look for. Um, I went into this house. I looked at it at night. Um, the agent said, okay, this is going on the MLS tomorrow. And, uh, if you want it, you know, put in an offer before it goes on the market. And I'm like, okay. So I looked at it at, like I said, at night it was gutted. So couldn't, couldn't see a whole lot. Um, went home, looked it up on the assessor side. Okay. It's a, a three, two figured out my ARV figured out my numbers. And, uh, so I put in an offer and it got accepted and, uh, I closed on the house and uh, when I got the keys and went inside, I realized that it wasn't a three, two, it was a two, two. And so there was like $15,000 worth of ARV right there. Um, and that was just like the first of my problems. Um, it had code violations. Um, I had never done a code violation house. Uh, my advice to everyone is uh, if you're going to buy something that's uh, got code violations, make sure you <laughs> double your timeline and and uh, increase your budget by at least 50% because um, 
once they're in there looking at stuff, they're going to find everything. And uh, for instance, my framing inspection took four times because every time they came back, they found something new. We, they, the la the third inspection, they said, oh, you need a footing underneath this wall in the basement. So we had to put in a temporary wall and, and support the wall, dig out the concrete underneath, put in footings, take it all. I mean, like none of this was little stuff. They came in at one point and said, uh, Oh, well, your, your stairs um, have been over 50% changed, so you have to meet modern code. You don't have enough head space going upstairs. Well, we had no place to move the stairs. And so I'm like, well, what are my options? And they're like, well, you're probably going to have to do a dormer over these stairs. Well, that was after I had just put a brand new roof on the house. And uh, so... I ended up having to get a structural engineer involved and get a draftsman. And, and uh, um, I decided, well, if I got to put this dormer over the stairs, I'm going to dormer the whole side of the house so I can add square footage. So I did end up increasing the value a little bit. But the, the long and the short of it is um, I put way too much money into this house. I'm still not done with it. And when it's done, I won't be able to flip it because the value is just not there for what I had to put into it. So I had to come up with an alternative strategy for how to get rid of it. Uh, I'm going to do it as a furnished, uh, like a, a midterm rental for like traveling nurses or something like that. Cause it's near the med center. So at least I'm not going to lose my butt on it, but uh, it, it was definitely a confidence shaker for sure. So it sounds like, uh, don't force, don't force a deal. If it's not there, like don't rush For into sure. it. And the other thing was like rushing. They, they, that, that realtor did a pretty good job of, uh, squeezing you on the timeline, right? Uh, the scarcity mentality, this is going on the MLS. You can't have it. I remember a deal that I did that, um, that I lost a lot of money on. It was a more expensive house. And I, looking back on it, I realized that I pulled the trigger and, and rushed into it because the, a, real, a real estate agent was getting involved. So they were like, hey, I'm either going to sell it to you or we're going to listen on the MLS with this agent who came over and told me that it's worth whatever, like way more than I thought it was worth. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to lose this battle. I'm going to win and I'm going to make sure I buy this house. So let me figure it out. And I did because I was kind of on the fence. I was like 50-50. I ended up losing 70 grand on that house. And looking back, I wish the agent would have listed it. It wouldn't have been a problem child of mine either. And then um, maybe a little bit overconfidence after a good year. So you have this great year and you feel a little bit confident that, um, that everything's been going right. It's okay. I know go look at it at night. Yeah, it's fine. Like I, I don't need to wait. I don't need to go see it during the day. I, I, you know, those kind of things and kind of rushed into it, got a little confident. So th those are the three kind of takeaways that I took from your story. And if anybody's listening, this is, these are real things. This happened to me for sure. It's happened to a lot of people. I've rushed into deals. I've gotten overconfident. I have, uh, I've forced a deal when there's no deal. Um, if the, the pipeline's looking pretty empty, it's kind of like, well, we need to keep it full, you know, what's going on. And sometimes patience is, uh, is the most important thing that you can do around that time, because, you know, you might, you might wait an extra month or two, but then you might drop three or four deals then, and just see that stick to your criteria, stick to what's working and don't get overconfident. And then you, you're just singles and doubles will win the game. You know, just like Arthur said, um, you know, earlier this week, you don't always have to hit home runs. Those singles and double deals are just fine. Um, because a lot of times when you swing for the fences, you strike out. And that's happened to me quite a few times. Um, and then I heard some of the things that helped you along the way were like having your people around you to kind of hold you accountable, uh, get the motivation that you needed, like that in-person event kind of um, amping you up and getting you motivated again and rejuvenated. So it's a couple of consecutive bad buys. 
And so what, what kicked you, like, I don't know, let, tell, talk about your recent success. Like there was a stretch of, of that. What snapped you out of it? You know, maybe uh, we fast forwarded the January event in Nashville. What snapped you out of it? And then what's happened since then? Okay. So uh, I went to the January event in person um, and I did my hot seat session with Terry and a bunch of other people. And uh, I, I was sitting next to Yuri, who a lot of people in the group know. And uh, he um, was drilling me while I was up there in my hot seat. And, uh, and I don't know Yuri that well, but I just know of him. And uh, he, he was asking me tough questions. And um, it, it really, like, I think I, I might have got even kind of like combative, you know, going back the other way. Um, but it did really make me start to think. And as I got done, I, I sat down next to him and he's like, Hey, I, I, I just telling you, you know, I listened to you and your daughter on the podcast last year. And I was like, wow, these two are really going places. I, I see the future for them and, uh, they're going to have so much success. And then, you know, you come to an event and you're like, well, you know, things are going bad. And then you come to another event three months later and really nothing's changed and you're not doing anything about it. And he said, man, you're wasting your potential. He's like, you know, you, you could be, you could be doing a lot in this business if you just get out of your own head. And I tell you, having somebody you barely know, tell you that they're disappointed in you. Like he had no, he had no reason, like it didn't, it didn't serve him at all either way, you know, to tell me that, but it really, it worked on me. Um, so I, you know, I recommitted now just being at the live event around everybody, I think had some effect on me, but it was that sidebar conversation with Yuri that really like did it for me. Um, and, uh, so I left the event with some to-dos. Uh, I, I haven't even f completed all of them yet, but uh, I really engaged with my accountability group afterward and, and whatnot. And I engaged with the, the people I know locally. Um, and uh, ironically, I've got a, a private lender who wanted to uh, um, do like some split deals uh, as opposed to just private lending. And he had... Um, he had a couple of deals or he had a couple of contacts of people that uh, he knew that were looking at selling. And I set up appointments and I, I went and talked to both of them on Saturday and I ended up getting two contracts in a three hour period. So. Okay. So there's a little <laughs> bit to unpack there. First of all, <laughs> um, first of all, Nate obviously likes to deal in tough love. So that motivates you. Right. And for some of you, that might not be it, but, you know, I, I love that. Like, first of all, thank you, Yuri, for being the tough guy that you are at that meeting. You guys have heard Yuri on the podcast. We did a podcast about um, kind of talking about driving for dollars and some of the success that he's had. And he just moved up from the runway to the altitude group in January after this event. Awesome guy. Um, and sometimes we need a little push. Like I was on a call with somebody today who said they needed accountability. And I, I said to them, I said, everybody wants accountability until they get it. Like, do you really want accountability? And he was like, yeah, I do. And I said, all right, you got it. Like you're, now you're going to get it. And the accountability groups are huge for that, seeing that, but some tough love and a little push. And then it really, it sounds like it's just taking some action, like having conversations, thinking a little bit creatively and not just doing the same thing over and over. Uh, I think ingenuity wins 
in this business. It's constantly shifting and, and evolving and changing. And if we're doing the same thing all the time, um, we're going to struggle. Um, I guess one question I have you is like, what is that? What is that conversation with Yuri worth to you? Like a lot of times we go to these events, right? And you probably went there uh, and, and let me, let me, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What were you searching for when you went to the event in January? Like, what was the plan? You went there with some plan. What was your plan? What were you searching for? And, and what, how do you feel like, like what you got? Is that what you expected to get going to that event? Um, the plan was I knew that I was probably going to need to start marketing again and, and get off my butt. But I just in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to wait till I finish this albatross house before I do anything. And what I got out of the hot seat session, and I knew that the hot seat was going to be kind of rough. I knew like I was expecting people to, you know, I figured it would be Terry or, or Tyler or whoever I was leading it that was going to be drilling me. But uh, I didn't realize, no, the rest of the group kind of, kind of dug into me a little bit and I appreciate it. Um, but the, the sidebar conversations, it's interesting. Cause you know, I, I, I also had a sidebar with Chad Nashley and they're, you know, they're like, Hey, we're going to check in with you. Well, they called me last week. Hey, we're checking in. How's it going? Are you doing the things you said? So like just a impromptu accountability thing, uh, you know, that that's what you get from the group. That's, that's what everyone's there for, you know, um, to, to keep you focused on the goal so that you keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, I remember when I go to these events, when they just started, I had no idea what to expect. I'm having like $50,000 conversations, not even realizing that it's a 50,000 or $100,000 conversation, like the result of that. And it's, it was never anything that I expected. Like I would go there and I would, like you said, I would expect some like ninja marketing secret. And really it's just like a mindset shift or tweak, or, or maybe it's somebody who drops a, a provider or something that I'm like, wait, what you can do what with what? And it's just that little conversation that you have or that, that one kind of push. And it sounds like, like it's all in here, right? Like a coach and mentor just kind of like pulls the stuff out of us. That's already in there that we don't see. So like you knew what you needed to do. It's not like you just needed a kick in the pants to actually do it. Bill, I knew exactly what I needed to do. There wasn't, there's no secret, like even the marketing to do's that I've got, I knew exactly what I needed before I ever went. Uh, you know, uh, it really was, it was uh, sometimes you need the kick in the pants, you know? Okay. So yeah. why, so why don't we do that stuff? Like why are the people that are listening to this? There's people who listen to this podcast, probably been listening to this podcast for five years. And they still aren't involved in real estate. They're still working their job. They're still saying, oh yeah, one day I will dot, dot, dot. Like what, what does it take for somebody to actually just do what they already know that they need to do? Like what's stopping, what was stopping you? And what's, what do you think stops somebody new from doing that? And how can they overcome it? Well, I mean, it, it's, it's all fear, you know, um, for a new person, it's the fear of, you know, I'm going to lose my butt. I'm not good at this. I'm not going to figure it out. For me, it was, like you said, I mean, I was, I was getting pretty confident. I was starting to really feel like I was going somewhere. And then when you have the rug pulled out from underneath you, uh, you realize, nope, you, you, you're still learning, man. You, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take your licks and, uh, um, learn from this. And I, the, the funny thing is like, I'll tell you, I have learned more on this one house than on every other deal I've done combined. Um, I've, I've learned so much for the next time I find a gutted house 
and what that's going to entail. So I know like, okay, what's the timeline going to be? What, who do I need to get involved? Um, what, what, how much do I need to take off of the price because of the headaches this is going to cause me? Because, you know, your, your money sits on the sidelines for a long time when you have a huge rehab like that. Um, but it goes back to uh, fear is what, is what does it. I mean, you're, you're just afraid of failing. Okay. So you ran into this um, confidence issue, stopped marketing, knew what you needed to do, didn't do it likely because it's just afraid of it happening again. And it just took that, that kick in the pants to get, to kind of snap out of it. Is that right? Yeah. So one of the things that came out of the hot seat, um, Terry might've said it was you like, it's okay to have a bad buy. Even you said you you've had some and everybody does, you're going to have bad buys, but if you're going to lose money on a house, you're better off getting more houses so you can amortize those losses over more gains as opposed to sitting there on the one and then losing the money and not doing anything about it. So um, that that was really the takeaway I got was when they were like, no, don't don't wait to market till you're done with this house. Start marketing now so you can pick up some singles to help amortize those losses. And like I said, I'm probably not going to end up losing money at the end of the day because I'm willing to hold on to it long term. But still, in my head, it's a loss. Yeah, but is it? It's it's even if it's a loss. Like I look at that seventy thousand dollars loss for me. I got another fifty two thousand dollars loss. I got a thirty thousand plus loss, and and I'm working through one right now. That's a huge challenge. The one that I bought back, that I talked about on the podcast here, uh, it got hit by a hurricane a week before we were supposed to close. I was selling it. And the hurricane completely crushed it. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage to this house. And it's sitting there and I'm making mortgage payments on it right now with nobody in it and just waiting for the insurance money because I'm fighting the insurance company. It might be years of a fight with the insurance company. So like, believe me, I, I'm going through stuff right now. It's bad decisions, uh, things that happen. Uh, just, uh, we got to play the cards that I'm dealt now. But, you know, it's that, that shift and change is really hard, especially when you're new. When you're new, you're afraid of losing money. You're afraid of uh, getting started. But if you if you take that loss and you think of it like this is an education, like I spent this money and not mistakes I'm ever going to make again. I learned a ton of lessons and I paid. You're going to pay one way or the other. Like you, you paid that way, right? I paid in a loss here. Now I need to go, just like you said, go go take that knowledge, take that, um, take that understanding, take what I learned from this, go put it to work in the marketplace to allow me to bring in more money because now I'm more experienced and I'm not going to make these mistakes again. So I think it reminds me of a quote. I think it was, I think it was Wayne Gretzky that said it. I, I hope I get it right. But he said, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I think it, I think it's Wayne Gretzky, but I, I may be misquoting. A, See, a, I thought it was Michael Jordan, but that's it could okay. have been, but I, I, <laughs> I, normally you would think that, but I think it's, I think it's Wayne. So I don't know if you know, and you're listening to this, then tell, let us know uh, on social media or, or send us a message. I want to know, but they're like, uh, you're both wrong, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, you know, we, it, we, then that's, and that's the, that's the mindset that you have as that kind of victim mindset. Like I'll, you know, I, I, I messed up. I screwed up. I, I can't do this again. But if you don't, you know, you got to put that knowledge back to work. You got to put that experience back to the marketplace. And that's what I love listening to Arthur, not, not wanting to quit listening to you uh, with a little bit of a push getting back out there. And so um, I guess the, and I also want to point out, you said that you were going to wait until you finish this house to keep going. I think that's a big mistake that newer investors make is they, they're doing one project 
They're fully focused on that. And then they come up for air when they finish and it gets listed on the MLS. And they're like, wait, where's my next deal? Like it's gone. And they don't keep the pipeline full. They don't think about it like a business that they're, they're constantly looking for and making offers and looking for deals because that is how we make money in this, in the business. And that's what I did. I was doing one house a year because I'd take six months, renovate it, sell it, and then take me six more months to find the next one. And I repeat that. And so um, w- let's wrap it up here. What is, this is a series about what I wish I, I knew when I started. So for you, with anything different than we talked about, what are some things and some tips that you would give to somebody knowing you know, the experience that you have, some of the wins that you've had, some of the mistakes that you made? What are a couple of things that you wish that you knew when you got started that you could share with somebody who's newer or somebody who's experienced that might not have been through some of the same challenges as you? Um, it's okay to lean on your support system. Um, I've, you know, obviously I've got the group, but I've really um, started to build a local support system as well so that I've got people that are in the day to day. And, uh, um, you know, like one of, um, I've got uh, a couple that I partner on some deals with and, uh, you know, they took over project managing this this big project for me because they know I've got a day job. And so, you know, that was something like they're, it's not their money at stake. They know, like, really, they're just trying to help me not lose so much money. And so they're like, oh, you need someone to meet those subs there? Yep, I'll take care of it for you, you know? Um, it, that's, that's something like you gotta, you gotta lean on the support system that you've got, um, and, and try to maximize that. Um, I, you know, I think it, it goes back to, um, just, you can't be afraid. You can't let it paralyze you. Um, you know, people always talk about analysis paralysis, but I think there's something here for, you know, like if, deal paralysis where you've, you've, you've done that, that bad deal. And it's, it's just something you just got to get up and start over and move forward and get on to the next one. Um, like you said, it, it, it's a waste of the education. If I don't use it on another deal, you know, then it's like, it's like going to college for four years for a major, you're never going to use, you know? Um, so (laughs) <laughs> but it was five years and one years of a master's degree <laughs> six. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, it, I really did learn a lot. So it's like, all right, now how can I apply that? So. Yeah. So here's, here's some of my takeaways from this whole episode for those that are, that are just want to want the cliff notes at the end. Uh, don't force a deal when there's no deal, don't force it. And, um, and you'll see, you'll try to see things that aren't there. You'll try to force a square peg in a round hole and it just doesn't work. And I've done it and you will do it at some point. So please like listen to this, remember it, um, go back to this bookmark it, and don't do it. Um, don't rush into a deal. Don't be forced into a t- somebody else's timeline, you know, work, work off your timeline and, and what you need and don't be forced into a deal or have be put on a shot clock to make that decision. Um, unless it's, unless it's flip hacking live and the ticket prices are going up, um, the next day. Uh, then, then it's okay. Um, don't get overconfident over time. I see it happen a lot and I've been guilty of it is you think that everything you do, you touch turns the gold. Um, you can never go wrong. You can never make a decision. And if you're realistic in that, that there is going to be a point where you might make a mistake, you might lose some money, you might do a bad deal that just understanding and knowing that that's possible and being able to accept it and get past it. 
That's the key. And not just like sit in there and wallow in it for a long period of time. Um, build, uh, build relationships is what I heard just recently. So actually build local relationships, uh, national relationships, relationships with other people that, that can help you in time, in tough times, uh, lean on your support system and find your tribe. So find the people that are like you, that can be a support system for you. Who, who can you reach out to it for help and take that one step further? We have a, a hard time actually asking for help. I have a hard time asking for help. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't, don't be the person that is drowning and not, not asking for the life ring. And that happens to us all the time. We think we're the only ones that are going through struggles and challenges in our business and our life. And it's not true. It's just not true. The second that you speak up and you share what's going on, there's 10 other people that are having that same problem that just were too afraid to say it. Um, and then don't get paralyzed by anything, bad deal, mistake, different things. You got to be able to move past it, move past it and move past it as quickly as you can. There's going to be like, uh, I think, yeah, Walter Bond said like, you throw yourself a pity party, but don't let it last for more than like two or three days. Right. And, um, and get past it. You got to move past it and move on learn from it and not make that same mistake again. So I think there's a lot of really good stuff in here that newer investors, um, more experienced investors can get from this. So, uh, Nate, I appreciate you, uh, uh jumping on here, being vulnerable, talking about it. Um, Sharon Yuri's beatdown that he gave you at the hot seat. And for anybody that doesn't know, a hot seat is basically just getting up in front of the group and sharing um, what's working, what's not working, some kind of what we have and what we need. And uh, really just kind of uh, board of directors that sit around and, and help you with your business and look at it from a, a third party point of view. They're not involved. They're not emotionally attached to your business and they can call a spade a spade. And uh, they're tough sometimes. I've been in some tough ones. And especially when you you know, like you know, that you should be doing something different. You know that you're screwing up. You know all that stuff. And it's just holding up a mirror. And you're like, and when you hear it from somebody else, it's a lot easier to, to take sometimes. So uh, Nate, thanks for uh, coming on with me again. I always have fun talking to you. And I, I learned stuff. I got a couple pages of notes here. And um, yeah, next time, we'll make sure that Riley's on the call too, um, to, uh, to hang out with us. Sounds good. I appreciate yeah. it, Bill. Yeah, if anybody wants to follow her on Instagram, it's Rye Bread on Instagram. So uh, reach out to her. Make sure you uh, check it out. Send her a message. Um, and she's doing some awesome things uh, on the track team now in high school. This is big. Um, daddy, daughter, what is it? What's the website? Dadanddaughterbuyhouses.com. Dadanddaughterbuyhouses.com. And um, what about YouTube? Where can they find you guys on your YouTube channel? Oh, uh, search for Urban Firebird Home Solutions. Or Urban I believe if you... Uh, if you search for dad and daughter buy houses, we'll still pop up. All right. Urban Firebird Home Solutions. So cool, cool videos. You'll see them walking through houses and stuff like that. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me, Nate. And uh, everybody's listening. We're going to do one more of these episodes um, on what I wish I knew when I got started. And we're going to talk to uh, to somebody else and hear their story. And hopefully it helps you uh, get past the barriers that you guys have, uh, have hit. All right. I'll see you on the next one. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. 
This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.